You're listening to Why We Do What We Do. Hey everyone, this is Abraham. And your co-host Ryan O. And we are going to, well, I'm going to start by um, just giving a little bit of a, a description about my life. Nice. Because we have some things to talk about that are going to be personal and they're kind of in the realm, I guess, of philosophy more. And uh, all right. So I have always been kind of a skeptical person but as far back as I can remember. I've believed in weird things. You know, I believed in ghosts at one point, but um, I've always been pretty skeptical and I always asked a lot of questions. And um, there have still been times in my life when I was willing to accept claims and kind of rules from people. Um, and even when those claims that they made were pretty kind of out there, like they seem maybe unrealistic, a little maybe too. like a, a con- conspiracy theory kind of feel. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and really because of the source of that material, like someone said, like, this is something that's real. And so I just believed it because I'm like, I hate that person. I trust them that they said this. Um, or I'm, I'm afraid to argue against them. So like, you know, they, they tell me what was true and I'm just going to have to live with it. So for example, this is not, not the same as being forced to believe something. But yeah. when I was a kid, um, my dad, he liked to go fishing and he told me that when you fish, fish really don't feel pain. So it's okay, at least on their mouth. So it's okay to hook them in the mouth. And so I totally believed that <laughs> for a really long time until someone kind of asked me, how do you know? And I couldn't, I didn't have a great answer. Yeah. Someone told me Yeah, and I had to believe them. And so I, they kind of backed me in a, into a corner um, until I had to admit that I really didn't know and I couldn't really be sure of the subjective experience of the fish whether or not they felt pain. So I really couldn't claim that they did. And also, I mean, that gets into a discussion we're not going to dive into today about what pain is because that's also a a very, um, I don't want to say nebulous, but it's, it's, a, it's a tricky topic. It's yeah. not so straightforward as there's just a thing called pain because we all experience pain in different ways and nobody's totally sure why. We're not going to go there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you, you had this like authority figure um, yeah. that kind of told you this is how it goes and you believed it. Yep, right? that's so exactly it. In my life, uh, there's a lot of things. Like when I started learning uh, basketball, I was like, this is how you're supposed to do it. And I was taught that you shoot in a certain way and you do certain things because that's how you need to do it. And it's like, okay, I'm going to follow that. Yeah. Um, and I get later on that those things came from, um, you know, like they were effective practices, but some of those things I followed just for the sake of following. And like, I brought that logic over into, um, other areas of my life, like when I was learning guitar and so when I was learning guitar, um, I was like, I was told by people that were better than me, like, this is how you do it. And I turned out that I picked up some bad habits that it took me forever to correct because I was kind of following that logic of this is how you do it. And people would ask, well, how do you know that? And I was like, well, because this person told me. Yeah, and it's they're they're better than me, so I'm gonna keep following that. Yeah, and you uh, can totally get in that position where you feel like you have to stick to that position because yeah, you took that position in the first place. Yeah, when I was really learning in uh, a lot of behavioral science, like uh, there was some iconic people that you read about, and like they were treated as if like their word was the final word. Yeah, right. Whatever and they say, that's the absolute truth. Yep, and uh, it's still prevalent. I my point here is like it happens in various areas of life. Um, from personal experiences to training, like, uh, I mean, we think of religion, like it's kind of everywhere. Yeah. It's and everywhere. I have another story about, um, uh, so I was a little bit older. Um, and when I was in middle school, 
that was pretty young when my dad told me that when I was in middle school, I, for some reason came to believe that, um, when the Titanic, so it was around the time the movie Titanic had come out. Um, I came to believe that when the Titanic had sunk originally, that it had just sunk to the bottom, that it hadn't broken in half. And I was like, <laughs> so insistent that that was the case. And someone was arguing with me and I was just like, Nope, that's not what happened. Got it wrong. And, um, and I don't remember like where I had heard that, but someone had told that to me and I just was like, I'm not wavering from my position. I'm right and you're wrong. Yeah. And, um, and totally stuck to it. And so this is just another one. I stubbornly refused to believe the other person and I wasn't angry about it or mad. I was just like, Nope, you're wrong. Do to do. And, <laughs> um, and, and really would not waver from that position because, uh, that was just sort of where I was at. So what we've been talking about this whole time, this insist, uh, basically you're, uh, sticking to a claim um, and you're sticking to a claim because some authority figure made that claim. And uh, be- besides the fact that this is fun to talk about, what we're talking about is something called dogma, or it's more, I guess, correctly, dogmatism. Yeah, and so uh, we were hinting at, like, maybe we had had this progression where we're not as dogmatic. I think that I constantly kind of battle with, like, checking myself. We can get into that later. Yeah. Um, yeah, so we, we said it was on the philosophy side of things, but it is like central to um, being able to kind of understand evidence, I'd say, and like knowing what works. Yeah. So that's kind of why it's particular to this episode or this podcast. Yeah, it's a good starting place for understanding what your assumptions are as you go about sort of formulating your worldview about things. And um, and that's why it's relevant to psychology. This is sort of talking about how we get our opinions and, and then how, why we stick to them and that sort of thing. Okay. So and, where, where did it originate from? Well, so there's, I'm actually not sure um, of the etymology of the word, um, but there are a couple of definitions of dogma that exist. And um, I found some sources that indicated the root comes from a Latin word, um, which is the same, it's basically the word is dogma. And in Latin, that would refer to some kind of philosophic tenet. So basically some kind of philosophical rule that you have. Okay. Okay. Um, I also found a different uh, root in Greek, um, that is, uh, I'm probably going to say this incorrectly, but something like dokeo, um, which also was also just written as dogma. I'm not, I was not sure why it was spelled two different ways. And this one also means something like an opinion or a tenant. Okay. And so there's a couple different sources in the history of where this word may have come from, but it looks like it's been around for a long time and the meanings are relatively similar in that it is referring to this, um, sort of belief that you hold on to. Yeah. Okay. And so in 1940, we've t- mentioned this before, this book called World Hypotheses by Stephen Pepper. He really explored in depth the concept of what he called uh, utter skepticism and dogmatism mm-hmm. as being basically diametrically opposed concepts, but to the point that they were so extreme that they were almost the same again in a yeah. way. <laughs> and uh, and welcome, so... Welcome to philosophy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> And so uh, Pepper defines dogma as beliefs or claims that extend beyond the cognitive evidence for those claims. And there's some stuff to unpack inside of that definition, but essentially it's whenever you're believing something despite with insufficient evidence or even in spite of evidence, contrary to that thing that you believe. Okay. And then how about the religious meaning? Yeah. So then the other term um, that we're really not going to spend any time on today is um, that people have probably heard is the religious term dogma. Uh, There's a movie called Dogma that was in reference to this. And that's any kind of doctrine or set of doctrines related to a particular faith. But that's not 
again, what we're really bringing up today. And so there's dogma that is, or dogmatism, which is adhering to a set of beliefs from an authority figure. And then there's the dogma, which are the sort of rules inside of a particular religion. That's not what we're discussing. Make sense? Yes. <laughs> okay, great. All right. So next thing, there's usually some sort of force implied, right? Like you need to do this. Right? Yeah. And or you need to believe this way because of, you know, like there's, there's some sort of intentional force, right? Yeah. And not like the mystical star Wars force, but, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, the, uh, force as in, um, from authority. And so whenever you look at some of the definitions of dogma, um, there is some idea that dogma is a rule that is imposed by an authority figure, especially by coercive or forceful methods. Okay. So anything that the authority specifically commands to be true without, or even in spite of the sufficient or contradictory, uh, contradictory evidence would be described as dogmatic. Again, this is just, um, if you had, I'm going to go into a hypothetical sort of example. Yeah. Uh, if you had a dictator of a country who basically said um, all the other countries in the world are preparing to go to war with us, and rather than ask questions, rather than, like, go to the other countries, you're just sort of like, okay, we're preparing for war. This is what's happening. Um, because, especially in the authority figure, it is like, if you pursue anything other than this, then that is treason and you will be jailed. Um, then you'd sort of have like, okay, not going to ask anybody else, not going to ask questions, just sticking to this narrative that we have. That would be an example of dogmatism. Okay. Yeah. I like it. All right. So although we haven't really said this explicitly, we've sort of implied that being dogmatic and dogmatism in general seems like it's sort of a bad thing, right? It's this, it's this way of being that is, uh, it's in spite of the things that we know to be sort of accurate and true. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it, it, yeah. So it's it's bad if it affects your quality of life for others. Probably. Let's yeah. Talk about it. It's bad if it influences decisions that then have um, adverse outcomes. Mm -hmm. That sort of thing. Um, and that sort of you know it's always tricky to qualify something as being good or bad. That's subjective. It's largely cultural. It's. It's just a qualitative uh, label that's given by a language of some kind. And, you know, we're using English, obviously. But how you qualify something as bad, there's a lot of different criteria you can apply. And I think that the ones that we've mentioned are generally sufficient. But in this, there seems to be relatively few advantages to being dogmatic. Yes. Okay. So what are some examples? All right. So there... Again, we're not trying to throw religion under the bus here, but there are some examples of there are people who refuse to bring their kids to medical establishments because this idea that if their kid were meant to die, then he or she will die. Um, but if they're meant to live, then they will live in the face of this illness. And so rather than take some meaningful action, then um, just let whatever happens happen. Yeah. And then and then what happens, the outcome of that is that the kid, the kid dies. Um, that could be because of religion. It sometimes is, but this also could be those people that are sort of like, um, it's not because of a religious reason, but just a lack of faith in the medical establishment. And so they're sort of like, you know, nature will take its course here. Yeah. And so they're, it's almost like the, the secular version of that. Yeah. So there's these certain cultural practices, right? That's yeah. This is occurring. So another one uh, that we have noted here is the uh, Ebola outbreak in Sierra Leone, right? Yeah. So there was cultural practices there that consisted of kissing the dead up to a week after they had passed as part of the 
uh, process that helps them move into the afterlife and like, right. it would be be at peace. Yeah, so it was um, really important to them. Yes, extremely important. And so, uh, but that was also at the time, like at that point, if you do those sort of things, it's also the time where it's most likely to be uh, contracted and like spread. Yeah. Right? That's um, part of how Ebola spreads is through bodily fluids. Yes, and that's part so. of why it's it's argued as to why it spread so quickly when uh, when they saw those crazy rates of it spreading. Yeah, and there are other reasons too, but that is one of the ways that it spreads. Yeah, so if we're talking about, I mean, those things were followed because there was a rule, right, in yeah. place. Um, and they were able to, maybe we can bring it back, they were able to kind of help people out in those situations. Right, yeah, but, they came up with a solution that was yeah. um, was functionally similar but, but just the point being that this practice of sticking to this, um, this I want to say cultural um, tradition, maybe, mm-hmm. it, it fostered the, it was not, again, the only thing, but it did foster the spread of this extremely deadly virus that has no cure um, or disease. I'm actually not sure if it's a virus because of that rule of this is what you must do when someone passes. So yeah. that was sort of a dogmatic practice. Um, another one that I had heard of, this actually happened really recently was that um, somebody had claimed or demonstrated drinking boiling water through a straw on like YouTube or something. Oh, man. And uh, this actually happened here in, in Reno, I believe, that some girl who was like 11 or 12 then tried to do it, and it scarred up her, um, her esophagus and I believe even her lungs to the point where she ended up dying um, because she was just doing what this person said to do. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's so, crazy. I didn't know that. Yeah. Extremely not safe. Don't drink boiling water ever. What about uh, our time of fake news? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're in the era, in the era of that word being thrown around anyway. Um, and, and we've brought this up so many times in various episodes, but this is just another example of when somebody tells you, don't believe this, it's fake news. And then you would say, okay, I don't believe it because you told me to. There's not necessarily evidence there to say that that is fake news. Um, and sometimes it is, sometimes it isn't. I don't know. It's, it's just the point here is following that recommendation in the face of like an authority figure and without the real evidence to, to support or back that up. Yep. We've had some instances in the past. I don't think this happens too much anymore, but where uh, people will sacrifice other people um, or animals to their gods. This is a common practice more uh, like centuries ago Yeah. Um, where there would be a lot of animal sacrifices and these were called like burnt offerings to the gods. That was another one that's just like you're either killing people or expelling resources that are necessary um, because there is some rule about doing so. Yeah. What about the flat earth? <laughs> uh, yeah, that could be one. There are certainly these people who um, who believe that the earth is still flat because somebody tells them that it's flat, even though there's all of the evidence in the universe to the contrary. <laughs> <laughs> there is one I, I, I discovered. Um, so this is called, I believe, earthing or grounding. It goes by a couple of different names. And this is this idea that walking on your bare feet, the and in the soil specifically, the earth will transmit electrons to your feet, and that's supposedly good for your body. There's no reason to believe that this is accurate. There's no evidence to support this. Um, there have been some quote-unquote studies that have been done that were published in their own journals of people who believe the same thing. And so their peer review board was sort of like, hey, that's what I believe too. Yeah, you can get published <laughs> here. Um, or are, we, are we lacking electrons in our body? Uh, no. Is it like the magical beans that wake me up every day? Like, is that the idea? Like, it's supposed to, like, revitalize you and keep you 
feeling good or I think it's supposed to do like caffeine does or (laughs) yeah I think it's supposed to do some magical things that are nothing like um, maybe improve your energies or something okay and I think it might also supposedly have some other health benefits but either way this is just something where there's no evidence there's no cognitive evidence there's no scientific evidence there's no and there's nothing to this idea at all but people do it because people say that it's a thing that happens some others. Uh, distilled urine is a cure for cancer. Yeah, there's a guy um, whose name has been in the news so frequently, I think we can probably say it on here. Um, his name is Stanislaus Brzezinski. He's out of Texas, who distilled some element of urine, claiming that this was a cure for cancer, um, and has been taken to court on numerous occasions. Um, but he always has testimonials from his patients who curiously received chemotherapy from other places but yeah i don't want to go into the details of that but just that the people who went to this place to get cure for their cancer um and then uh and believed it because you know he was sort of saying what he's he was selling it in a way that he was the authority figure there was no evidence for his claims and yet yeah. people do it anyway uh, i mean the evidence being that there were testimonials but not like actually scientific evidence so there was some level of cognitive evidence but the claim itself extended beyond that evidence so there's another one in history. Uh, history. This is still going on. Um, actually, very sadly, I was looking up like pictures of nature to just get like backgrounds on my phone, and um, and there was the some like the top pictures of 2017 that people took, and the very first one that came up was a picture of a dead rhino with its horn lopped off, and it yeah. was extraordinarily disgusting. And I was like, I don't want that on my phone. Um, but there is an industry that exists currently where people believe that because the rhino's horn is a hard erect part of its body that it is a cure for impotence um, for men and so there are poachers who will capture and cut off rhino horns does break them in the powder and then uh, sell them to those people who believe that rhino horn will cure their impotence Um, and it there's this is completely ridiculous there's there (laughs) there's virtually nothing in rhino horn that could be doing this and um like it might kind of work as a placebo but at that point you may as well just be eating chalk and uh anyway so this is another one where the outcome is that there's all these dead rhinos they're practically extinct there's not actually an effect you're spending a lot of money on something that doesn't really work and uh and then people do it they stick to it like there's again it's doing something that extends beyond the evidence for that thing okay cool so let's bring dogma back into so we got all these examples let's bring it back into psychology right okay like um, why does this matter in whatever area of psychology that we're interested in? I guess we did spend a lot of time just throwing people under the bus. Potentially. I mean, <laughs> clearly we're, we're a podcast. It's about looking at evidence and different perspectives. So, yeah. um, not, I would, I guess I'd say, uh, so sure. Let's just go into this. So why I think it is relevant. Um, I don't necessarily, I do care like what, what, how you approach the world in the sense we were talking about, like if your life, if your decisions are adversely affecting others, like, yeah, I, that's a big deal. But on, if that's, I'm not saying like there's one way to view the world. Right. And so like the way I look at this as being useful is when I'm told something that's hard and apparently fact, like you should always be questioning it. Right. It should be continually looking at the evidence that's out there. Right. Um, and so psychology is, uh, one of those areas that you can do that in, but it's also like, we're relatively young, I'd argue too as a as a like science a, uh, yeah scientific right? field yeah totally. yeah so like there's continually new evidence and more stuff that we need to be looking at and i can't just follow these hard rules that's yeah. why it's valuable to me in psychology and there's so many things that have existed inside of culture that they became 
they became sort of traditions that existed because someone said that they should and not necessarily because they were beneficial for that culture to exist any longer. Yeah. And so looking at that in terms of what is dogmatism and then asking the question later, why do we do it? Yeah. Um, and and just considering that in the context, both of the, the current culture and society as well as sort of historically mm-hmm. how that's been uh, shaped up and so yeah more generally just you know we live inside of a culture that we use our language to generate these kinds of rules like that's when we're talking about da- dogmatism this is entirely a language-based phenomenon yep um you know th- this is not things that we just do out of habit because like we are born with the gene to like saw, saw off rhino horns or whatever um <laughs> that's just not how it works these are we set these rules and then we follow we follow them and uh, it's sometimes, um, probably most of the time, those rules are really helpful. But there are these harmful effects. And so it's useful to recognize how to avoid them and avoid being a victim of them. Yes. And I would say, our, since we threw, uh, we're, we're trying not to, but we're kind of throwing people under the bus. We can throw our own field under the bus as well, sure. right? Like, this is not uh, going to fall just in one area. So the area that we come from, this behavioral science, this kind of behavior analysis background, I've heard numerous times and even said in the past myself, and I now don't as much of like, oh, because you know Skinner, one of the big uh, behavioral psychologists, right? Because yeah. Skinner said, and I still see this like today on forum posts, literally before we started recording this, like, oh, Skinner's science, and it's like, come on now, like we don't need to follow, yeah, we don't need to be doing things because somebody said so, right? Yeah, and like for that, um, so it's it's a problem everywhere, I think, right? Sure, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. Um, so what happens when we do this? Like, what are the implications? Yeah. So going back to that definition, if dogma is going beyond, so, you know, extending beyond what the uh, evidence is going beyond, then a way of thinking about this is that there's sort of a line between convincing and useful evidence and unconvincing and possibly dangerous ideas. So not to say that ideas that are radically different are bad in and of themselves. Sometimes those are the ideas we need to take a, you know, a big step forward in our culture and in science and society. But dictated rules are probably generally bad when they are especially opposed to good evidence for those rules or I guess against those rules. So um, I had cited um, or I had read some stuff by uh, Hayes, um, Steve Hayes, who we have an interview coming up about or yeah, it may point. have come out before yeah. this episode i'm unclear on when that will go but anyway in one of the uh the chapters and books that he wrote um he says quote all attempts to justify or objectify ultimate goals are dogmatic okay the purpose of the truth criterion which we uh talked about more in our truth episode um is to provide a means to evaluate the cognitive basis for those claims so and this stems from pepper's world hypothesis yeah and so this is him specifically talking in reference to how pepper talked about it in his book world hypotheses and um again that truth criterion is basically the criteria against which we decide whether or not a statement is true yep or some fact is true yep there's no correct one but you need to be really clear on which one you're using when yeah exactly and then you can evaluate how other people use theirs in different ways and all of that is a useful way to do it so basically he's saying that if you try and just set a goal and then justify that goal, then that's still being dogmatic. You're going, there isn't evidence for how you set that goal. It's really looking at what is the cognitive basis for making the claim in the first place. So no matter what way you're kind of approaching and understanding the world, you can still fall subject to this? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I would totally agree. 
Okay, so the point then, as far as I can tell, is that the claims themselves are not necessarily dogmatic. It's when the basis for those claims is missing. Yeah, so there's some sort of lack of evidence. Right, okay. yeah. Yeah, when there's assumptions, are you're making assumptions that are too grand, too grand, too big for the claim that you're making. Okay, so dogma doesn't simply mean that you believe something. And because, you know, there, people believe things. I believe things. You believe things. Everybody believes something in one sense or another. Um, instead, it really has to do sort of in a way with certainty. OK, so you can disbelieve something going back to my example of the Titanic with a high level of certainty with no basis and be dogmatic. Mm -hmm. So my persistence when I was in middle school in believing that the Titanic did not break down based on the evidence that the only evidence I had was that a for, uh, that authority figure. I, I did not have enough cognitive evidence to make that claim. And yet I stuck to it anyway. I had a high level of certainty. Um, in the face of con contradictory evidence. Okay. So are we being dogmatic and saying that we need to have evidence to be able to label things as not dogmatic? Um, I think you could make that argument. Yeah. I, 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 it goes like what's we'd have so to ask what is the basis for claiming that you have to have evidence? Yeah. Yeah. So we were kind of talking about this before we hit record, obviously. Yeah. Um, I think evidence doesn't need to be like in the sense that we typically talk about it as empirical evidence, which is maybe how our listeners might view it too. Like we're talking about that a lot here. Like it needs to be observed and right. Whatnot. It's not always going to be like hard data. Yeah. But it fits. I think that when evidence fits inside of the sort of cohesive context, even when they're so, for example, you can formulate a hypothesis mm -hmm. based off of the evidence that you do have. And that hypothesis goes beyond those claims, but it still fits with very well inside of the conceptual system that that those claims are part of. So let's just let's say, for example, recently in a comet meteor thing passed through our solar system. And of course, a lot of people are like, it's a spaceship. Um, and that was their immediate reaction to that. And looking at this and saying, like, here are all the things that we know and saying that this does seem to come from another solar system or some kind of star, probably not a spaceship, um, almost certainly not a spaceship, but just looking at what the evidence um, is for that and then making your claim based on that to just say it's a spaceship, yeah. you know, and then stick to that. Um, and then go back and say like, we know it's a spaceship because this website said it was a spaceship. Yeah. Um, that's just, um, again, that's just, that's being dogmatic. So it sounds like different worldviews will have different types of evidence that they generally deem acceptable. That's a great point. Yeah. Yeah, okay. I think so. Cool. Um, and so, uh, in his book, Pepper gives the example of that, like how certain you are it's going to rain outside. Um, so if you have looked at the weather and the forecast predicts rain, and so you bring your umbrella and your level of certainty does not extend in that case beyond the cognitive evidence for that claim. But if you are going outside and you're just like, it could rain at any moment and you have a forecast that says clear, sunny skies, there's no clouds as far as you can see, um, hasn't rained in a long time and you're in the definite middle of a drought, then you might say that that belief it's going to rain is now dogmatic. It is extended beyond the basis for that belief. High level of certainty, low level of evidence. Okay, so Hayes went on to explain that goals provide a basis and therefore claims need goals to avoid being dogmatic, but you can't justify those goals necessarily. At least what he said earlier was that um, attempts to, to justify or objectify ultimate goals is dogmatic. So you need goals in order to avoid being dogmatic, but those goals are just going to be sit in, situated inside of sort of a uh, system of of your worldview, whatever yeah. it is you already believe. Yeah. All right. So 
specifically, we talked about, again, that being dogmatic, it seems to sort of imply that this is almost always a bad thing. Um, and Pepper sort of specifies that this is a cognitive or logical error, or also called a fallacy, okay? And so one of the things that can happen as an outcome of this is if you're being dogmatic, is that you stop looking or you never even start looking for answers when you just trust these sort of outlandish claims, okay? So it's, it's different to accept a likely extension of something that we already have good reason to believe than it is to with something like I mentioned before, where we have sort of conceptual basis. Yeah. Um, and then we try and find holes in our hypothesis or the parameters of their application or even disprove it altogether. Then it is, um, then it is to simply accept that there is some statement that is like, this is what's happening now. Like, yep, it's a spaceship. And, <laughs> you know, and so what we, what we do have is to say, like, uh, what is this most likely to be? What do we have the most? We don't know exactly what it is, but here's all the things we know about stuff that exists out in space. And so these are the things we're going to extend to apply to this now, even though we don't know that much about it. It makes the most sense to say this is probably some kind of rock formation that for whatever reason is zipping through our, app, our, uh, our solar system, even though that hasn't been documented before. Um, that's probably just what it is now. That it fits inside of the conceptual system. Even though there's there's some evidence for that, we don't really know. It's a lot closer to the things that we do know. So it's when you start making assumptions and guesses that are outside of those things that we do know, that's when it starts to look about uh, look more like dogmatism. Yeah, I'd agree. All right. Um, I went through and I decided to look up a few quotes from dictators that seemed like they would create dogmatic behaviors. And um, or at least they were in service of creating dogmatic rules that or uh, creating dogmatic behaviors to rules. And um, there's a lot of heavy hitters here. There are. So it seems it's a little scary. It is. And I kind of thought I would say these and not say who said them and see if people could guess. But let me just go through a few of them and then I'll I'll say who they're attributed to. Yeah. I mean, if you want to say it, we can give a couple second pause and then I'll say who it was. Okay. do that. Give them a couple seconds as listeners. Okay. So the first one is make the lie big, make it simple, keep saying it, and eventually they will believe it. Got your guess? We got to beat Google. Adolf Hitler. Yep. Um, There's a bunch in here about uh, sort of this idea of force, which is why I included them. Mm -hmm. So the next one is ideas are more powerful than guns. We would not let our enemies have guns. Why should we let them have ideas? And that one was Joseph Stalin. Yep. Um, another one on a similar vein. Uh, one man with a gun can control 100 without one. Vladimir Lenin. Yep. From Russia, I believe, right? Yep. Because Lenin and Stalin. All right. <laughs> this one's kind of funny. Uh, so politics is when you say you're going to do one thing while intending to do another. Then you do neither what you said nor what you intended. Sad but true, I feel like. Um, so Saddam Hussein. All right, here's here's one. <laughs> Any negative polls are fake news, just like the CNN, ABC, and NBC polls in the election. Sorry, people want border want border security and extreme vetting. That one seems pretty obvious who that was. Yeah, Donald Trump. Yep. Um, and then I'll just do just one more. Okay. Okay. So, because I, I had a whole bunch of them listed, but yeah, yeah, yeah. let's just do it. All right. I am the object of criticism around the world, but I think that since I am being discussed, that I am on the right track. Man, that's a scary position to be taking. <laughs> right? Um, sort of, if people say that I'm wrong, I must be right, sort of thing. Yeah. Is this Kim Jong-un? Yep. Yeah. Uh, Kim, oh, no, Kim Jong-il. 
Uh, okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So there's there's a bunch more, but this is sort of things that have been said by dictators around the world in throughout history. And they're basically these statements that are, you know, you can control people when you have these coercive methods, when you give them false ideas, when you lie to them, you, you make it, as, as Hitler said, make the lie big. And then this, this is exactly the idea of uh, dogmatism. It's just like you, um, when you tell people to believe something and they just believe it and you kind of are the authority figure. So they kind of have to. Yeah. So it seems like being in a power role is a part is an, an area where you might it might be easier to fall into being dogmatic and not realizing it. Yeah. Uh, some yeah. Sort of authority role. Yeah, that's great. And I mean, it doesn't have to be someone as high up as a dictator or a president, even mm-hmm. it, like uh, as leader of a project in college, like leader of a small group at work. Right. Like the, the figurehead at the top of a family who is making rules about like this is how we behave in this family sort of yeah. thing. Those things can end up being dogmatic. And again, it's not necessarily that just making a rule makes it dogmatic. It's when the claims that are there for some kind of rule or the basis for those claims are missing, right? Yes. So um, we always wear our our masks when we go outside because um, otherwise we're all going to get sick with bird flu. You know, that's most people don't go outside and get sick with bird flu. The evidence really isn't there. So I did list a few more um, of the of the sort of examples throughout history, but honestly, these are things we're trying to go into a lot more in depth. So I'll just, I'll just read through them really fast cool. that are examples of uh, dogmatic beliefs. Okay. So there's a uh, phrenology, which has to do with the measurements of the human skull uh, and identifying from the measurements of the skull, different, Tendencies or behavior yeah, personality, uh, yeah, that sort of thing. Um, vaccines yeah. causing autism is a dogmatic belief that has been shown to not be true. That we're also going to do episode coming up. Our old past polygraph episode. Yep. Right. Uh, there's this idea that ingesting colloidal silver will heal heal various wounds. That's actually extremely poisonous. Don't do it. Dowsing rods is another. Um, so if you don't know what those are, like yeah. you take this like stick system. Yeah. And you go up and you can find certain precious metals or water is one that's used a lot. Um, I have people close to me that still believe that these things sort of work, and yep. they do that to find wells as they're building up. Uh, different spaces out here west it, it's <laughs> um, essentially a ouija board without the board um, yeah. and it 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 doesn't it doesn't work um people do use it and where it becomes especially dangerous is when they use that to find missing people in lieu of using um like actual like scientific and forensic investigation yeah so there's a lot of money made in that area too yeah uh sure in all of these and then there's this idea a long time called uh, charismatic plows. I have no clue what this is. <laughs> this, it, this has been gone. The reason I actually threw it in here is because this is an idea that disappeared a long time ago. Um, but when people were um, sort of migrating across the United States and they were settling new areas, um, what had happened was uh, they uh, got to the Midwest and it's in the middle of a drought and they tried to plow the fields. And when they plowed the fields, um, it started raining and it literally just was a blip in the weather cycle. Like it was probably going to rain eventually and just mm-hmm. happened to rain around the time that a lot of people plowed their fields. And so they believed that the plows caused it to rain. And so then they started like plowing fields where it wasn't raining to try and cause it to rain. And they sort of referred to their plows as being charismatic by <laughs> inviting the weather. <laughs> but so this idea is kind of gone but it was a yeah. funny thing that existed once and that was again it was being dogmatic that the evidence was really 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 weak and they did it anyway yeah all right so we've got all these examples um yeah. why does this happen why do we why do we be dogmatic when we be dogmatic why do we do what we do i, I tried <laughs> i failed <laughs> no, they don't all work <laughs> that's fine um so we said it's language based right? yeah 
I think an important part of this is that most of the time, as I mentioned earlier, when we follow rules, those rules work out for us. When people yeah. tell us to do things, then we do them. That, that has an, a positive outcome. So, you know, when we're told to show up and work on time and we do and then we get money, then that's when we avoid punishment from showing up late. Like mm -hmm. those are things that have an obvious payoff. And that probably is the case most of the time. Yeah. And so, yeah, having a history of complying with these sort of things is largely good for us. Yeah. And it's argue like if I had to learn everything from trial and error, man, would I be in like a tough spot? Right. Yeah. So they're extremely useful. And in most um, instances, the things that we learn from rules, uh, we learn initially that uh, to follow rules, like we learn to comply with the rules that are given to us. And mm -hmm. then we start to figure out sort of we follow our own path on on that and we figure out where we we develop our own rules and stuff like that. Yeah. So you start taking other evidence or other um, experiences. Right. In relation to those rules. And one that I mentioned before um, that's on a different point on this, but one of the reasons that people can be dogmatic is because there can be a fear of contradicting the authority figure. You mm -hmm. know, it's just whatever they say, I'm not even going to question it. I'm not going to ask any, I'm not going to doubt it myself. I'm just going to do it. And, and it's because there is that coercion of being afraid of that authority figure. Um, that's, I mean, there's a legitimate thing to be afraid of when people are threatening things like death and, um, exile and whatever it might be. I also see that in like cultural level, like organizational cultures. Mm -hmm. It's like, this is what we do because this is what we do. And this is what I was told to do. Yeah. Right. That ha yeah. That absolutely happens. Oh my gosh. That's all over the place. Another one is that sometimes you just you don't you don't have any reason to believe otherwise. So when someone tells you something, even though that what they're telling you is incorrect, if you don't know that, then you're more likely to just believe it. You just go with it because you don't have any reason to doubt it. Like the what you have learned up to that point is that following rules gets you good things. And what is happening is this person is giving you some kind of information and you have no reason to doubt them. That is a legitimate reason to follow what they say. Yeah. Now you also start to learn as you pick up more and more information throughout your life that what they're saying is very inconsistent with how I would think about this. I'm, I'm going to question this. And so I found that I'm more likely to question certain things now that I may not have questioned earlier on in life because I know so much more now than I did when people would have made similar claims to me. And I don't want to, you know, go into more examples of things, but, yeah. uh, but how I listed things like the, the polygraph and dowsing rods, if I had not been in a place where I had learned and become more skeptical, if someone had just told me, this is how you detect lies, or this is how you find water, I might've been thinking, cool. Yeah. That's great. <laughs> yeah. Like, wow, show me how to do it. Again, that's, that's part of this is, is lacking sufficient, um, I guess, information and that would that make you believe otherwise. Yeah. So I think to sort of summarize why people are dogmatic, it has to do with you learn to follow rules that for the most part pays off, including from authority figures. Mm -hmm. We also learn that early on we follow those rules and they work for us. Exactly and right. And then it turns out that you can follow rules and kind of like bring in other information, kind yeah. of create these kind of contextual rules, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So basically we get good things um, from being dogmatic. We can avoid bad things when being dogmatic. For example, if you have some authority figure who yep. threatens punishment and because sometimes there's just no no other reason to do something else that we that we know about at the time. So those are sort of the three ways that you might talk about. And that one's it's, wrapped up in the other ones. Yeah, but it's much easier to be dogmatic sometimes than like go out and learn as much as you can and not be dogmatic, right? Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. So I think that summarizes that pretty well. Are yeah. ready to take it home? Yeah, let's take it home. Perfect. So, our goal, yeah. our goal that we did not state when we started this episode was to try and keep this around 30 minutes. We missed the mark on that, <laughs> but we weren't that far off. So let's go ahead and wrap it up and then we'll, uh, we'll call it a, an episode. Okay. So dogmatism is claiming or believing a claim that extends beyond the evidence and basis for that claim. Yep. And 
it's essentially bad because it halts inquiry, which I do love that part. Like yeah. we need to keep exploring and see what's out there and refining what we do know. Um, but you noted here, it can also stop reverse progress and lead to really horrible outcomes. Yeah. And some going back to those dictators, a lot of times that means death. Sometimes it just means a loss of resources, but it can be the outcomes are usually bad when we're talking about this. Yeah. So um, not that one camp is like the best at avoiding this. Right. Yeah. Like we're all subject to it, I think, is another take home point. Yeah. Um, and really, it's something to be aware of um, and to try to build awareness around. Right. Yeah. So it's something that that we do. We experience it frequently. And, you know, we weren't trying to deliberately throw anyone under the bus, but give examples of where dogmatism has existed. Mm -hmm. And um, both with sort of the political examples, the um, I want to say sort of magical thinking sort of examples. I think all areas of psychology fall subject to this. Yeah. At various points. Exactly. In in their time. Yeah. I mean, because it is simply believing in something um, beyond the evidence, this can be, I mean, just anything, anything in life where you can have language applied to it, which as far as I know is everything. So take home point, big we're trying to make here is like, we're not better than anybody else. Yeah. Right. Yeah, exactly. Perfect. All right. I think that's it. Thanks for listening. We didn't throw any sticker stuff in there. We'll have to do that in the next one. Okay. Okay. For those of you who don't know, that means uh, Ryan's been trying to give away stickers as much as possible. I've been trying to find areas that we're weak in um, and then sending out rewards of like stickers as like for the podcast. Right. Um, But I forgot to bring it in this time. So anyhow, thanks for listening. Yeah. Listen to other episodes to find opportunities to earn free stickers. (laughs) Okay. Um, With that said, this is Ryan O. This is Abraham. We're out. listening to why we do what we do why we do what we do is supported in part by abai's disseminating behavior analysis special interest group and our amazing listeners if you like what you heard consider heading to our patreon account at patreon.com slash podcast anything helps and we are continuously lining up perks and merch for our supporters if you have any comments or questions we'd love to hear from you Find us at WWD Podcast on your favorite social media platforms. You can learn more about this and other episodes by going to www.podcast.com. There, you'll find links as well as detailed and shareable show notes. Why We Do What We Do is Abraham, Ryan O, and Miranda. Artwork and logo design by Andrew Pollock at nogdesigns.com. Video and production assistance from Tyler Brucier with music courtesy of Justin Greenhouse. Brendan Bohr does our episode art. Thanks for listening, and we hope you have an awesome day. <laughs>